This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The BetQL Network presents your favorite handicapper's favorite handicapper, Ken Barkley. If I have an opinion, I'm just going to go put money on that thing happening. And your host, Nick Costos. Every single play of every single game impacts you in some way, shape, or form. It's You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM. It is You Better You Bet. It is a terrific football Tuesday. It is Nick Costos. It is Ken Barkley, and it's you here with us on the BetQL Network. Simulcast now for the next two hours by our friends at Stadium, and it's going to be a badass two hours of wagertainment. It was a badass hour number one of the show also. Recapped a lot of Championship Sunday because I was off yesterday attending to a personal matter, so Ken and I recapped a lot of what we saw on Sunday and gave you some early thoughts on Super Bowl MVP. If you missed it and you want to check it out, just search You Bet wherever you find your podcast after the show goes off the air today. Over the course of the next two hours, we'll have a couple great guests joining us to break down Super Bowl 58. Mark Schlereth, two-time Super Bowl champion, will join us coming up later this hour from the NFL on Fox. Super Bowl champion Brandon Marshall, linebacker for the Denver Broncos, and our BetQL Network teammate. Brandon will join us one hour from now, breaking down the Super Bowl. Noops, Alex Christensen, talking NBA, coming up next hour as well. And otherwise, uh, we're going to give you our early thoughts on the big game. Side, total, and I've got some props that I'm already eyeing that I feel really great about coming up for the Chiefs and the Niners on Sunday, February 11th. Power Hour, final hour. We'll feature all our bets coming up for tonight. But joining us right now to kick off the fun and frivolity here in our stadium two hours on this terrific football Tuesday is our good buddy Eric Eager from Sumer Sports. Love having Eric on the show. One of my favorite guests that we have on You Better You Bet. I love his takes on the NFL. Even when we disagree, I feel like Eric always brings something to the table. On Twitter at Eric Eager underscore and co-host of the Sumer Sports football show along with former Falcons general manager Thomas Dimitrov, a Tim Scanlon client. Eric, welcome back to You Better You Bet. It's Nick and Ken. Uh, it's not quite Super Bowl week yet, but happy Super Bowl week almost here to you and yours. Hey, guys. I can't believe that after all these years of Mark Schlereth leading the way for other people, I get to lead the way for him. <laughs> we won't call like, you stink. This, Don't worry. Yeah, watch this replay. Eager pulls around at guard, and there's a Schlereth right behind him. That's, that's how it's going to go. Um, maybe just a, a question or two, Eric, about the games that we saw on Sunday and some of your observations, Nick went on a uh, pretty long rant in the first hour of the show, justifiably so probably, about 
Dan Campbell's decision-making, everyone in retrospect kind of questioning a lot of the calls that he made in the game and the perception being those calls and the fact that they didn't convert on them is how the Lions, you know, lost the game. I, I'm sure you were scrolling social media, kind of doom scrolling probably with the industry that you're in, seeing everyone comment on this. Like, what was kind of your reaction to how, how his decisions were perceived? Well, my, my heart breaks for Lions fans, obviously. Uh, you know, I was pretty giddy watching, you know, as somebody, I'll probably see you guys at the Super Bowl next week, Radio Row, it'll be a lot of fun. I was daydreaming over a Chiefs-Lions, getting to, you know, cover that game. And, you know, obviously, you know, it didn't end up that way. I, I got to think, like, let's let's think about this for a sec. If, you're, if you've watched this team, you've bought into Dan Campbell, you've bought into Ben Johnson, by the way, you think Ben Johnson will, would would want to return to that team if they had got if he didn't believe in what Dan Campbell was was doing with that team? Um, but you think about this like a guy who played four regular season games for that team had never kicked an outdoor kick for the Lions, going up there to kick a forty eight yard kick with a chance to tie the game, and at best going to kick the ball back to a team that had scored what you know twenty unanswered points against you, uh, twenty seven unanswered points against you. I like, I, I to me, I'm like, I, I get it. You know, the only one, the only decisions that I think you could like fault the Lions for, and I don't even really, this one, it's just a point of preference. At the end of the first half, I probably would have gone for it. I, I get kicking it, but I, I, I would like to be up 21 or up 14. I feel like being up 14 means you at least have your, your ear to the ground ready for the comeback. Being up 17 feels like you still have, like, breathing room, and I felt like they slept walk through the third quarter. I'm, being up 21 is obviously even a better cushion, but that one's touchy. And then, of course, running the ball in that third down when you're down 10, I thought that those were the only two places where I really gave, you know, Campbell and Ben Johnson any flack. Every other point, they were, you know, they, they played within their identity. They gave it a good shot. They were, they were a seven-point underdog. They covered the number in that game. And and they gave their fans their the best shot, and and I thought that they did you know they did about as well as they could, and that that's a great Niners football team. That's why they're in the Super Bowl. That's why I love Eric because he agrees with me in the things that I say. Also because he's 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 awesome, and I and I enjoy his analysis. But we are and we were like DMing at the end of the game also about this. We were in lockstep like the entire game as to what as to what Campbell is doing. It just like it it just it just drove me nuts. Like great, go back to 1980 if that's the type of football you want to watch. I'm just like I'm so sick of this stuff. Uh, let's do something quick on the AFC title game, Eric, and then we can kind of hit hit Super Bowl 58, maybe some some coaching stuff as well. Uh, did the Chiefs win the game on Sunday, or did the Ravens lose the game on Sunday? To take away from the Chiefs, because I thought that their defensive performance was phenomenal. I thought, you know, Patrick Mahomes, the first two drives by Andy Reid and Pat were amazing. Um, they, you know, Andy did kind of turtle at the end of the game like he's wanted to do, and I, I got flashbacks back to some playoff losses. But that was the most, inexplicable game plan from Todd Monken that I've ever seen, right? Like it felt like, you know, back to that Super Bowl where Bruce Arians tried to prove that Ben Roethlisberger was a Hall of Famer and completely, you know, gave up a a lead in the first half and they never could respond. It it felt like he was trying to prove to the world that Lamar Jackson was Patrick Mahomes when Lamar Jackson would have been plenty good enough to win that game. And you, you had six running back carries the whole time. They were never down by more than 10. You could have just run the football and, and played with your strengths and to the Chiefs' weaknesses, and they never did. And, you know, they played right in the Chiefs' hands that whole game. 
Both defensive coordinators were throwing 100 mile an hour fastballs the whole game. Mike McDonald was terrific. Hopefully, he gets a head coaching job on the back of that game. Spagnola was awesome. But yeah, I think that you come out of that if you're a Ravens fan and you really did blow a huge opportunity to not only be in a Super Bowl, but given how the markets were responding uh, last weekend, you were going to be favored in that game. Yeah, it's I'm pretty crazy stuff, uh, especially, yeah, you're right. I think in terms of like Ravens Niners and especially Ravens Lions with how it played out. Uh, one more question here, Eric, just because you alluded to it already. And like we, we did Ben Johnson like a tiny bit in the first hour, but I thought your answer was great there. I'm like, you know, he's staying because he believes in the team. So each team that got eliminated on Sunday, the Ravens and the Lions both have like an outstanding coordinator that we thought yesterday would maybe be both both be head coaches like today even or, or later this week. Mike McDonald, the defensive coordinator for the Ravens, and then Ben Johnson obviously runs the offense for the Lions. Now we know Johnson's staying. And we don't know if McDonald's staying. I think like if you were to have a betting market, it's leaning toward he's not staying. He'd probably take a head coaching job. So with that in mind, knowing Johnson is back, who do you think is, and Dan Campbell said this after the game, we may not get back. Who do you actually think is more likely to get back to the championship game now knowing Ben Johnson's back? I actually think that makes a big deal. I do too. I, you know, and the NFC is not just going to get all, all good all of a sudden. You look at the Niners, you know, one of the, the storylines this week is going to be they're over the cap. And, you know, they're not going to get, they're not going to be able to bring back everybody. They went all in on McCaffrey. They went all in on, you know, guys like Trent Williams, Debo Samuel. You know, are they going to be able to sign Ayuk to a big deal? Are they going to be able to do all that? And that's the, you know, prominent team in this conference. Detroit's right on their heels. Um, you know, Green Bay should be pretty good. Dallas is over the cap themselves. A big decision on Dak Prescott. It, the, the answer is Detroit. <laughs> if you look at the AFC, you have, you know, Herbert now as Jim Harbaugh. You know, Buffalo will kind of always be in the mix, even though it'll be touchy for them. You know, that division that Baltimore plays in, all four teams had winning records this year, and that includes a Cincinnati team that had to play half the year without their starting quarterback. So uh, I think it's a pretty easy answer, even though, you know, Detroit's not as good as Baltimore. I think that Detroit easily has a better chance to make the conference championship game next year than Baltimore does. You better you bet with Nick and Ken here on a Tuesday, talking the NFL with Eric Eager from Sumer Sports on Twitter at Eric Eager underscore. Eric, we'll get to the Super Bowl in a second. Um, I have another coaching question, though. Maybe Ken does also, and we can get to the game. Also, we'll, we'll have you on next week, I hope, to be able to go more in detail on the big game. I think, um, and Ken and I haven't done this on the show yet today, as we had a lot of other stuff to do in the first hour, but uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers earlier today named former Falcons head coach, who's like uh, not, not a favorite son of us here on You Better You Bet for his work in Atlanta, Arthur Smith as their new offensive coordinator. I, I'll go more into detail on this later. I like him a lot as an OC. I just didn't like him as a head coach. I think this is a really good hire for the Steelers. Do, do you like this hire for the Pittsburgh Steelers here? Arthur Smith is the new OC under Mike Tomlin. Yeah, I mean, the last time the Niners and the, and the Chiefs played in the Super Bowl, the Chiefs had to go through Arthur Smith's Titans when Ryan Tannehill led the league in yards for pass attempt. The next year, Derrick Henry had 2,000 yards. Like, I, I don't know if you want Arthur Smith laying out the team's tone and tenor. I don't think you want him laying out the team's philosophy. But to call it an, an offense, yeah, I mean, he's probably pretty good, you know, it, it, for this team. And, you know, Corey Davis had his best year under Arthur Smith. Uh, A.J. Brown emerged under Arthur Smith. Uh, Henry, as I said, you know, had his best years under Arthur Smith. Tannehill as well. You know, there's a really good chance he can uncover uh, some of the potential in that offense with Pickens, Johnson, you know, Friermuth. Darnell Washington, Najee Harris, Jalen Warren. There, there's 
you know, pieces there. I, yeah, obviously, they got to figure out what to do at quarterback, but it's not like Ryan Tannehill, uh, you know, Kenny Pickett's looking up at Ryan Tannehill and seeing Patrick Mahomes. So I, I think that, yeah, there, there's, an, there's an awful lot of positivity you can take from that because, uh, you know, the, the culture is already built, you know, uh, you know by, that, by Mike Tomlin for that team, and he doesn't have to go in there. That was his biggest problem in Atlanta is no one really bought into him uh, as the leader of that football team. I think that just calling the offense, he should be pretty, he should be pretty good there. I kind of want to ask you about Atlanta and Seattle, but we have, we have a few minutes left, Eric. Maybe a couple questions on the Super Bowl, just because we should ask you a couple questions on the Super Bowl. And we'll ask you a lot more, and hopefully we'll see you on Radio Row next week. I think that would be a lot of fun uh, having you on in person, with Nick and I in person, which we which we rarely are too. Uh, market for the game, pretty much the same as yesterday. There has been some interest in the Niners in a couple places that's pushed this out to one and a half or two. But we'll call it San Francisco by less than three, one, one and a half or two, depending on the book that you're looking at. And the total has stayed exactly the same, 47 and a half. You, you saw the matchup. You watched the two games Sunday. You saw the betting market. You see it now. Uh, what's your first thought for the Super Bowl? Yeah, I, I texted a few friends, you know, the, uh, my, my buddies at the Hammer last, you know, two weeks ago. And I was like, look, you might get Patrick Mahomes plus three, minus 120 or better for three straight weeks, most complete team that he's ever going to have. Now, you're not going to get plus three, minus 120 or better in this game in all likelihood, although we, we said that about last week's game and it got pushed to plus five in some spots. So I, I think people are, you know, betters who bet on injury news, which are most of the Sharps now, they're going to like the Niners in a game like this because the team is more complete um, but I think you're always going to get buyback on game day on the on the Chiefs. So I think if you like the Chiefs, I think you wait until post. I think if you like the Niners, you probably got to get in now because there was that early money on Kansas City, similar to what we saw last week against Baltimore, and then all of the, the midweek and late week money was in on, on the favorite. Uh, and I think you're going to see that this week as well uh, with some late mo- money trickling in on the people who wake up in the morning and say, oh, duh, I'm going to bet on the best player in the NFL as a dog in the biggest game of the year. So that, that's kind of how I see it. I like under in the game. Uh, 47 and a half was, was I, I sort of make it in that 46 range. Um, so I like under in the game. One of the things to, to be, you know, when you look at series success, uh, the Niners are the best team in the NFL in terms of turning first downs into other first downs. The Chiefs are middle of the pack there, despite how good their defense is. So when you're looking at props in this game and you're looking at like kind of how the game will play out, I think there are going to be relatively few possessions. I think that both field goal over props for both kickers are live, and I think that this game goes under. Can Jake, can Jake Moody make the field goals? I guess we'll, we'll find out coming up on Super yeah. Bowl Sunday. Uh, Eric, final question here. When you ask me about the game, I just want to play Eric's answer, I think. That's <laughs> Eric, we got about 30 to 45 seconds for this one to close. With Ben Johnson staying in Detroit as the offensive coordinator of the Lions, it had been presumed by a lot of, not just like people, like really smart people who know really smart people in the league for a long time, that Ben Johnson was going to be the next head coach of the Commanders. So for me, this is less of a blow to Seattle and more of a blow to the Washington Commanders. So Eric, I ask you in 30 seconds, the next head coach of the Washington Commanders will be who and why? Yeah, really good question. Um... Yeah, I, I have my information said said Johnson as well, so I'm at a complete loss. Uh, I wouldn't rule out Mike Grable. I would not rule out Bill Belichick at this point. Bill Belichick and Adam Peters worked together uh, in in uh, in New England uh, well way back, uh, and so that that's an underdog here. Uh, Belichick, uh, as he's wanted to do, twenty eight three in the in this coaching uh, in this coaching carousel coming from behind here. Um, would would Belichick actually let Adam Peters pick the players like to be the head coach of the team? 
in like 10 seconds. Uh, uh, maybe, maybe this situation has humbled him enough. Maybe. It's, I think has that's it? the most interesting thing, right? If Bill goes to Josh Harris and says, I'll just coach the team, the hotshot GM you just hired can pick the – he can shop for the groceries and I'll cook the meal, to use the Parcellicism. I think it'd get, it'd get really interesting here with Belichick in this particular hiring cycle. Eric, we really enjoyed this, as we always do. We look forward to seeing you out in Las Vegas uh, next week for Super Bowl 58 on Twitter at Eric Eager underscore. Check out his work for our friends at Sumer Sports. Stay well, safe travels, and we'll see you in the Sin City. Can't wait, fellas. Take care. Our pal Eric Eager joining us here on You Better, You Bet. Love that. That'd be fun. You can be out in yeah. Vegas. I guess like more people than I thought that are like could be on the show are going to be there, which I, I guess I didn't really think about. Like that's pretty cool. Oh, radio. Well, Wednesday at Radio Row will be kind of tame. Thursday is going to be an absolute madhouse when we're there, and Friday is like, like we won't be there. That's that's yeah. the three ring circus. On the other side, we'll start giving you detailed thoughts on Super Bowl Fifty Eight and a little bit more from Championship Sunday. We'll be right back with You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM <laughs> on the BetQL Network. Jackson, the flowers, he dives, the ball came out, it's recovered by Kansas City. Did the ball come out before he broke the plane? This is a call that could determine the whole game right here. Sneed! It's out. Who has played as... At the highest level this entire season, Jim. Welcome back to You Better You Bet, brought to you by BetMGM with Nick Costos and Ken Barkley on the BetQL Network. Yeah, Jim Nansen, Tony Romo. Lot of Tony Romo. Sneed! It's a lot of just yelling words, saying things. Lamp. <laughs> Don't. Tony, here's Tony Romo. I'm not sure. Dog, he was really excited you know? for the game. He was really excited. You could tell in the opening. He was he was excited as excited as I was. Except he's making like ten million dollars to call the game, and I'm yeah. on my couch. That was the problem. I was gonna say like you could like you could like station like I could be like the guy that stands outside like a department store like spinning spinning the arrow saying like come in here and you give me ten million dollars I will be as excited to do that as Tony Romo was to call the AFC Championship game. Like great, I'm 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 glad Tony was excited. Also, can we can we do a little better? We'll talk about that coming up in a second. By the way, you'll be on the call. Super Bowl 58 coming up next week. Uh, Mark Schlereth will stop by in 20 minutes. Our Beck Hewell Network teammate, former Super Bowl champion linebacker, Brandon Marshall, will join us next hour. We'll get more in-depth on Super Bowl 58 coming up in a couple of minutes as well. But we want to hit, Ken, this breaking news in the NBA. And I know you did a lot on this on the show yesterday because you told me, and then I went back and saw a video. It was good stuff on uh, Joel Embiid and NBA MVP. So Embiid missed last night. For the Sixers, Maxi did also. Maxi will miss tonight's game against Golden State. Also, Philly loses on the road to the Portland Trailblazers. Did just lose. Yeah, lost yes. by 20, 26. Um, yeah. Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN tweeting, Ken, at the end of last hour, uh, Joel Embiid will be listed as questionable versus the Warriors tonight. Expected to go through pregame warm-ups and decide if he can play. So Embiid's going to be a game-time call. As I told you, Tyrese Maxi will miss tonight's game also. So look, we can talk about like how to handicap this individual game against Golden State at the end of the show. But, I mean, I think, Ken, this is probably just more uh, fuel on the fire of what you what you talked about yesterday, that yeah. the Embiid MVP stuff is starting to get, unfortunately, like a little helter-skelter, like on thin ice because of Embiid's injury situation. Yeah, I think you I think you got that just right. And he can still win. That's not the argument. I I like to handicap markets where I feel like I have an advantage. And a lot of times in award markets, that's because... 
I think I do in general a pretty good job of thinking like how voters think and trying to figure out what prices are likely to drop based on results that are going to happen or news that's going to happen. Like, I feel like I have an advantage, even if sometimes maybe I don't. I feel like I do. And that's why I like to bet those markets. And this one, I I don't, I no longer think I have an advantage. And I think I, like, we bet Embiid at a crazy price and it dropped. And it's like, yay, Ken, and this is so awesome. And he's going to win again. And it's all this stuff. And it's like, look, like he can always get hurt. And I, the reason I don't think I have an advantage anymore, at least right now, uh, once Embiid's status is clarified, then maybe that changes because it becomes about performance again. I, I don't want to be in the business of handicapping whether I think Joel Embiid's going to miss games or not. I, that's like an information-driven thing. I don't know anybody that works for the Sixers. I'm not going to know in advance whether he's out. Um, he is an incredibly injury-prone player. And he's really on thin ice in terms of the amount of games that he can now miss. Like if he misses tonight's game, he has like four to play with over essentially like a 35 to 40 game span. That's a that's a tough go for someone like him. Uh, they have four back to backs remaining. Also, he's now missing games like Denver that aren't even on back to backs. So just the, the short of it, I think, for tonight, because look, if this goes back to just who do I think voters will like and who's good? then maybe I'll come back in. But I, I used the term pulling the ripcord yesterday. Basically, like, I'm out. Like, I I like I cashed in my Embiid chips. Like, I spread on other guys. If I had advantageous cash outs, I took them. Like, I just, I'm, I was way out because, like, I don't know whether he's going to play and I won't pretend to know whether he's going to play or not. And to just really, like, emphasize tonight's game specifically, obviously, it's second night of a back-to-back. -back, it's a third and four, but he didn't play the first two. If he misses this game, I think it's game over. I think he just doesn't, he can't, he cannot win. I actually would, I would, I don't feel like a hundred percent confident in saying that, but I think that's how, that's how I'd be thinking about this. This is, this is like decision time. Are, are we playing or are we not? And what does it look are like? We, and even are we the at the decision the desk? Are we at the decision desk right now? Is There's that what they call it? Like usually at the decision desk, right? Are there like ten people usually? Right? <laughs> what the desk is? The Who desk is the very Kornacki? small. And there's, like, not, there's like yeah. Steve Kornacki's the NBC. Yeah. Is it like, right. Blitzers on CNN or whatever? Who's the, the guy? Uh, John King. The guy who comes out every election and like it's like Mel Kiper, like the hair's the same and he still like plays on the board and everything. You're like, oh, it's an election. Here's John King. Um, <laughs> Paul, by the way, John, John King's been hibernating for three and a half years. He will soon right. be awakening from his slumber. Preparing for this exact moment, right? <laughs> so it's, right, Amer America 2024. Everyone sighs depressingly. Uh, it should be great. So like the, um, I think this it puts an incredible amount of pressure on tonight's game and even the way Woj tweeted like the status it's not like he's playing we're going to do the denver thing again we're going to warm up we're going to make a decision this sounds terrible this sounds like something's really wrong and if you think that he can still win which i do like he can it's he's still eligible he's also having the most outstanding scoring season anyone's ever had including wilt chamberlain so like if he plays the games it's his it's his trophy but like you knock off tonight's one and i think it's more it's less about like the exact like well that's one missed game and it's what it symbolizes miss denver miss the front end of a back-to-back maxi's not playing tonight second night of a back like you're gonna miss these three if you were trying to win like you're giving yourself no margin for error whatsoever um so i honestly think like if he misses tonight i mean I, i'm out of the market anyway but like if he misses tonight i, I honestly think he should go to like 20. Or like 25 or something like that and then he's got to like earn back that credit in the market by playing 10 straight games or 15 straight games and Jokic 
has been the recipient of all of the win probability for the most part. But we'll do this part later because it requires Embiid to be removed. Like the who wins when he doesn't win conversation, it'll seem easy right now. It'll just be Jokic. You ask everybody, they'll say Jokic. I don't know when we get to the end of the season that that's what's going to happen. And it would not be very voter-like to just go back and give it to Jokic again, even with the way he's playing so far. 20-point triple-double last night, they beat Milwaukee. So like, but I do think tonight's a really, really big deal about whether he plays or not. If he plays, it kicks the can down the road another couple games. Is he okay? Let's figure it out. Uh, if he misses, you can't remove him from the market, but the price should almost reflect that. You better you bet with Nick and Ken here on a Tuesday. Um, I want to wanna hit you with this. Maybe you can do a little bit more later in the show, but I want to ask you specifically about Luca. And this is probably like the like square, I don't care kind of thought right now in this market. Of the because, moment a little bit. Yeah, he was great last he's, night. He's like, it's like towering inferno right now for Luka Doncic. And I also felt like such an idiot on Friday. So at the end of the show, we're like giving our bets. And I said, well, you know, it kind of feels like this is going to be a big Luka game because last night, meaning last Thursday, Luka goes on inside the NBA on TNT and like says, I was wrong to have the, the fan thrown out of the Phoenix game. Like took the Mia culpa. It just felt kind of like narrative wise that Luka was going to have a big game. Little did we know. 73 points was in the offering on Friday. And since then, he followed that up. They lost to Sacramento over the weekend, but a 28-10-17 triple-double. And then last night against Orlando, 45-9-15 without Kyrie as the Mavericks eke it out over the Orlando Magic. So, look, like you said it, Ken, prisoner of the moment. Uh, I guess, like, I don't know. Who can, who am I right now? I'm someone in jail. I don't know if there's like a, a good comparison to make. Uh, right. I, I think, <laughs> he, I think he's... I guess he's the guy that I think I, I'd look at right now. If he's just going to keep doing this and the Mavericks can win some games, I don't know, man, if this if this is going to be what it is. kind of feels like he's, like, next level right now. Yeah, I just uh, – I, I don't want to get into, like, a ton of specifics on him versus other candidates, but to your question, I would look at it as someone, like, now kind of out of it and, like, not, not caring as much and being like, well, whatever Embiid does, he just does. Uh, I would look at it as – if Embiid, like, because this is his award, like, it's, we're going to remember the season for him, good and bad. Uh, most prolific scoring season ever also didn't play in the games, but the season's about him. If he just can't win and voters have to vote for someone else, um, I think he could see something kind of bizarre by the end of the season. It won't happen right now. Everyone will go to Jokic. He was second in the last poll. The win probability will go there. That's fine. Like, Jokic really isn't in the business of campaigning for himself, trying to win this award, period, putting up big statistical games. Like, it's not really been his thing this year even and and then and then you go well wait like if he does that or he misses like five games toward the end of the season whatever and it really runs out of gas like it did last year then who and i think a lot of people are like well it's sga okay nobody seems to know he exists in the national media right now when they do their voting which is unfair to him to be perfectly honest and then you go like well hold on like then what is it so just like i don't have a good answer right now there's no polling. Everyone everyone polled would say the same thing. Embiid will win if he plays the 65. That's what everybody will say right now. And they're right. And that's what makes this like such a tenuous situation. So we can get into more specifics. Like if Embiid misses the game tonight, we do tomorrow's show. Okay, now we actually need to start thinking about this like aggressively. Um, really just gives you an idea how much hinges on tonight and whether he plays. Uh, just saying, Jalen Brunson get an MVP chance on the oh, road boy. last night in Charlotte. Just saying. Just well, Charlotte, saying. typically a basketball hotbed. Usually fans go crazy there. So I, I didn't realize that. Probably at the game, <laughs> I, I guess. I, 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 I'm being sincere. 
I didn't realize that there were that many like Knicks fans in Charlotte. I really did not know that. I was like, I'm pretty surprised well, when that happened. Maybe it's this easy game to go to. Tickets were probably like two yeah. bucks. You know, because uh, I don't know. I guess like because when I when we were kids, like I. The, the Hornets had Zoe and Larry Johnson and Muggsy Bogues. Yeah. Like the Knicks played them in a couple of playoff series. Like I hated the Hornets bad. when I was a kid, and all the and Dell, yeah, and, and all and all and all like my my schmuck friends had like the Hornets starter <laughs> and then like the Michael Jordan jerseys. It's like guys, you know, like 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 we have a team that's pretty good. Like why don't you root for? I I, I yeah. hated I hated that when I was a kid. Hated oh, that no. kids in my hated class. Kids, oh, you're a kid in your class that rooted for the Bulls when they were like beating yeah. the Knicks every year. Like, come on, you're not from Chicago, kid. Like we're from New York. Like, come on, I hate that. A, Cowboys fans, a, whatever. Give me a Knicks thing for 15 seconds here. We can reset and do NFL or whatever. Uh, you don't need me to tell you they're onto something, but like that that Denver over Knicks exact result keeps dropping. As Miami keeps doing whatever the hell they're doing, are they going to make the play-in tournament? By the way, I, I got to tell uh, you, I, yeah. I think I think I'm ready to throw dirt. Like actually, and like this is like dangerous to say it. Yeah, like they've the lost most seven. Dangerous team. <laughs> yes, yes. But you know what? It, what's what's interesting, and like this doesn't have to be predictive. Just like it's just an interesting note. Miami's now lost seven straight games. There are teams, Ken, in the history of the NBA that have lost seven games straight consecutively over the course of an 82 game season and still make the playoffs. They, that a team that has lost at least seven straight in the regular season has never won a playoff series in the history of the NBA. That's a crazy stat. Where did you, did you see that on Twitter last night? That's a. Great I saw one. it on. No, I was. I was like, because like I was with like my family all night last night, basically. Well, sure. not my, my my wife's family, which is like my family now. Um, so I was like reading everything this morning, like watching highlights this morning, and I think it was part of the game story, like the, like the oh. AP game story yeah, last night excellent. for the Heat's loss. Yeah, that's a great note. Um. Yeah, Let me. So anyway, I want to go back the, and make sure I have it right. Since I just gave it out with supreme well, confidence, sense. I'm Losing, pretty sure it was right. I know seven doesn't sound like a lot to people, but like you don't, unless you're like Detroit and stuff. Like you don't lose seven games in a row in the NBA. Like it's almost ten percent of the season. Like you don't you don't do that. It's like a month sometimes. That's not really a month. It's like three weeks. Um, so that's that's a lot. Uh, yeah, I just think as as the Heat kind of come unglued here a little bit. Yeah, like Denver Knicks is way and Embiid with this thing what if this is like a chronic issue Doc Rivers debut last night and like I just uh Denver over the Knicks actually I think has legs big time and the price keeps dropping so we're at 55 50 I forget what I have in the account um I think it's like 27 or 30 now it's really good. It's re it's really, really, really. The crazy thing is, like, they might end up playing Cleveland again in the four or five, and both teams will be fifty times better than they were last year, which would be really crazy. And like, Cleveland beat the Clippers last night in a completely ridiculous game. Like, they played an excellent game. Man, if they play the Knicks again, that is like a blood match because both those teams are really good. They're way in right. The Cavs. Mobley just came back. Garland might come back tonight. Yeah, uh, tomorrow night. I'm sorry. Tomorrow yeah. night. I mean. Uh, by the way, I looked it up. I got it. A, a little, I got it. I got it partially wrong. I think the oh, Blaze, no. Portland in 2016, I think is the one team that's done it. But no team has ever made a deep run losing seven games the, in, uh, in a season. That's the Dame shot against the Thunder. Against pull, pull, the Paul George Thunder. I think is that too long ago? No, that's right. Would that be right? Let's see. Blazers, 2016 Blazers Thunder. Is that the team that beat the? And then that team. Oh no! Uh, wait a minute. No. Who's the other team he ended a series against? Houston? I don't know. The, the Thunder call. one. That's the, the Thunder call one is the best Houston. one. Oh, the, Tyler says the Rockets was 2013. 
Who would, who would they have be? Oh, they swept the Pelicans, probably. Remember they swept Anthony Davis one time? Do you remember that series? It was the weirdest series. They won every game. And, I, and everybody was uh, everybody picked Anthony Davis and the Pelicans to win the series, or the Hornets, whatever the hell the team was at that point. And uh, and I remember being like, what what is going on? Davis would have like 50 points in every game, be like, actually, you just lose like every game. Actually, that's like how it goes. Did, Maybe it was that series. They, Maybe that they was beat the Clippers. Time. They beat the Clippers. That's the, this, that's uh, the okay. So wait, so yeah. what... What the hell was Blazers Clippers? What the hell was that series? Uh, this is 2016. Um, Alpha Rukaminu was the leading scorer in one of the games. Yikes. Believe it or not, and the, the 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 Clippers won that game. Just like what? So this was Doc Clippers, one of his many like postseason embarrassments. I'll tell you what. They might have lost last night. I think that's an encouraging game for the Milwaukee Bucks, though, moving oh, forward. Oh, I mean, it'll be whatever. It's, it, last night doesn't have to define him. His so, career can define him. Yeah. Hope everyone enjoyed that segment on the broadcasting from Sunday in the <laughs> National Football League. Sneak! <laughs> on, the other, on the other side, more NFL coming up. Super Bowl champion Mark Schlereth. We'll be right back with You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM. <laughs> on the BetQL Network. Gets the protection. He goes long and on his back to ice it is Marquez Valdez Scantling for the second straight week. He catches a long ball. He had two of them against the Bills. You never know how many you're going to get to um, if you're, or if you're going to get to any. Um, and so it truly is special. Um, just to do it with these guys after what we've been through all season long, guys coming together, um, it really is special. But uh, I told them, I mean, job's not done. I mean, our job now is to prepare ourselves to play a good football team in the Super Bowl and try to get that ring. Welcome back to You Better You Bet, brought to you by BetMGM with Nick Costos and Ken Barkley on the BetQL Network. Jim Nance with the call from CBS this past Sunday, and then, of course, the voice of the great Patrick Mahomes postgame. Patrick Mahomes will be going uh, in about you know a little less than two weeks, Sunday, February 11th, against the San Francisco 49ers for his third Super Bowl ring. Uh, our next guest who's going to join us in just a second, Mark Schlereth, he has three three Super Bowl rings. Uh, Mark's going to join us coming up in a moment, but want to remind our live audience that 20 minutes from now, uh, Super Bowl champion of the Denver Broncos and linebacker on their all-decade team, Brandon Marshall, our BetQL Network teammate, stops by talking Super Bowl 58. We'll do some NBA next hour with our friend Noops, and uh, I... I still got to give you my thoughts on the game was off yesterday. Can't wait to do that with Ken side total and some early prop thoughts as well. All our bets for tonight coming up in the power hour, final hour of the show, but joining us right now, making is you better. You bet debut someone that both of us have been a fan of for, for a long time. And it is awesome to welcome to the show three time Super Bowl champion, Mark Schlereth. Now just great work for the NFL on Fox on Twitter at his name at Mark Schlereth. Mark, welcome to you better. You bet Nick Costos and Ken Barkley. We really appreciate Appreciate the time. How's it going? It's going great, man. Pleasure to be with you guys. Mark, we'd just love to start with uh, maybe some thoughts from the, the two games that we saw on Sunday, then obviously get kind of your first thought on the Super Bowl. We played the, the Patrick Mahomes highlight there. That was the play that cinched it, but obviously like a lot went into that game, positive and negative, positive for Kansas City mostly, and negative for Baltimore. Like do you, Nick asked a guest this earlier, and I totally agree with kind of this framing. Do you think that was more Kansas City winning the game, kind of seizing it, or or were you surprised at what Baltimore did in the game? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I was surprised by Baltimore. I was disappointed by Baltimore. You know, for me, it brought back some some you know 
bad memories of of a playoff loss to, that we had when I was in Denver against Jacksonville. And, you know, I've told this story before, but I came home on a Wednesday after we put the game plan in, and we're sitting down as a family having dinner, and my wife is like, what's wrong? And I was like, shoot, we're going to lose this game. She's like, what are you talking about? And I go, this game plan is complicated, and they can make us based on – like." There's this thing going around in, in the NFL, and I hear it from coaches all the time, especially young coaches, and it drives me crazy. Well, we can get into a premium play here, right? We're going to can this. We're going to kill this play. We're going to get ourselves into a premium play. And ultimately, what I told my wife that night was they can make us check out of just about every run. And in that season, Terrell Davis had over 1,700 yards rushing. We're the number one seed, and he ran the ball 25 times a game every game. Well, they got into several different fronts that made us check out of our run game. And TD had, I think at the end of the day, had like 12 or 14 carries for over six yards of carry, 95, almost 100 yards. And my point is this, is I want to, if I'm going to lose, I'm going to lose doing what I do well. That's, that's how it's going to go. And I'm not going to let you dictate to me. And ultimately, the Baltimore Ravens are the best running running team in football. And that zone read stuff that they do, because Lamar is such a threat, number one, you got to figure out how you're going to play the edge, right? How you're going to play that play. And it's just about impossible. And if Lamar pulls the ball and threatens the edge, well, I mean, oftentimes we've watched him. He's like a, a varsity player against JV players. These are NFL players. He makes them look like JV players. And so a couple different things happen. If you hand it off, half the time the backside is so frightened of Lamar keeping it that they can't constrict, they can't squeeze down, so there's huge cutback lanes for the running backs. And then if Lamar keeps it, he's a freak show. And, oh, by the way, all their play-action RPO game comes off of that. And so the biggest thing about that, that I've talked to coaches and, and doing Baltimore games, they're like, hey, what we want to do is make Lamar – be a drop-back passer. If we can do that, we feel like we can beat the Ravens. Well, I felt like the Ravens made Lamar a drop-back. Like, the Ravens decided, hey, we're going to out Mahomes Mahomes. Uh, sorry, but you won't because he's, he's the best. So I don't, I don't have any idea what they were doing and why they got so far away from what they are. Um, and it's, it's, you know, it's frustrating. It was frustrating to watch, and I'm sure it's, you know, if you live in Baltimore, you're sick right now. Well, uh, we we bet the Chiefs, so we loved it. But certainly, yeah, we certainly sick. agree. Yeah. But uh, agree, agree one, yeah. agree one hundred. That's about a ten out of ten answer. I love NFL history, Mark, and I. I just kind of want to ask you how good it felt to thump the Jaguars the next year in the playoffs and route to a Super Bowl championship. But in the interest of time, let's uh, talk about the other game that we saw on Championship Sunday. And I think the big talking point coming out, and we'll get to the Niners and Chiefs coming up in a second, was you know Dan Campbell's decision making. Uh, I'm on record saying I loved. What I saw from Dan Campbell, and people are obviously t- totally cool to disagree with that. Mark, I don't know your thoughts on Dan Campbell and what he did on Sunday. If you thought it was good, if you thought he lost the game, if he should have taken the points. What did you think of Dan Campbell and the way he managed the second half on Sunday in a game the Lions would eventually lose to the San Francisco 49ers? Yeah, I thought it was, I thought it, you know, it, it mimicked what he always does, but I thought it was a wrong decision. And I'm one of those guys that I don't buy into the analytic numbers that come out all the time because 
every situation is different, and you've got to do not what you've done all year long. This is an NFC championship game on the road. And you go you go with the points. You know, I hear the, well, that's what he does. Well, he didn't do it at the end of the first half when they kicked the field goal. He didn't go for it then. Like, there is a time and a place, and you've got to manage the game that's in front of you. And you can't let what you've done in the past dictate what you do in the future. You've got to essentially call the game the way, you know, you see it. Now, I, I get it. Fourth down and two with seven minutes left, you know, and it should have been a completion, but it wasn't. And one of the things that happens is San Francisco grabs up momentum. Now they're still only down by 14, right? You could have put them down by 17. They grab that momentum, and they go right down, and they score a touchdown. So let's say you kick the field goal and you make it. Now you kick off. There's two TV timeouts. So now from a real-time standpoint, the Niners are down three scores, 17 points, and there's probably about six to seven minutes that have passed based on the two TV timeouts where you don't have that momentum. You don't have that excitement. It wanes. And I've been there where, you know, you kick off and we go trotting out there and there's a TV timeout and you got to stand in the huddle for two and a half minutes waiting for you to come back from TV. It sucks. And especially when you're down. And so, yeah, I, I just disagree with those decisions. And I love Dan Campbell. He's a, like, he's a friend. Um, and I love what he's done all season long, but on the road, the NFC championship, you're, you're down 27, 24, you kick a field goal and you tie that damn thing up. So um, I just, have, I am, I'm adverse to some of that stuff. Um, and I also understand from a game standpoint, you know, I, I get all the time. Well, in this situation on, on fourth and two, you know, you go for it here because, you know, the odds are, and I always like, well, you know what? Math and statistics have never made a tackle. They've never thrown a block on a three technique that's kicking your ass. They've never done any of that stuff. So, I'm like, I, I'm going to call it the way the game is played, not the way the math tells me to call it. I mean, a really, a really interesting answer. I wish this interview was like 45 minutes longer because I want to ask you a bunch of follow-up questions. We have like a, about two minutes left here, Mark. Would just love kind of your first thought as you start to conceptualize, hey, the Niners and the Chiefs, like what is this game going to look like? So in two minutes here, like you've had a couple of days to kind of think about the game, digest it a little bit. What's the key matchup to the game? How do you think it's going to play out? we got a couple minutes to go. Yeah, well, I, I would think that anytime you play Patrick Mahomes, the, the the biggest key is keeping him off the field. And even when you do that, um, the guy is just that good. Like he is that exceptional that he can still beat you. So, you know, with San Francisco, the the big key to me is you got to run the ball. You got to open up and set up your play action stuff. They do a great job. Kyle Shanahan is unbelievable when it comes to design. But the, what they don't do well is they're not great route runners. They're not like from a static position in a drop-back game, that's not what San Francisco does well. And, you know, the crazy thing is, is it's probably the worst I've watched them play two games back-to-back all season long. They had that game, that three-game, you know, losing streak in the middle of the season. But this is as bad as they've played collectively as a team. And they're going to have to run the ball, set up their play-action stuff. Um, the last two weeks, Brock Purdy has, you know, put them on their shoulders and driven them down in a drop-back game with scrambles and big-time throws, I just don't think you're going to beat Kansas City doing that. you got to get back to doing what you do, and you've got to do it exceptionally well. And they haven't done that in the last two weeks. So it's it's a really interesting game. But, you know, playing keep away from Patrick, I think, is one of the biggest things you have to do. 
if you're going to beat Kansas City. Mark, unfortunately, we're, we're out of time here. Like Ken said, this is your answers are amazing. We'd love for this to be longer. We have about 30 seconds to go, only because you brought up that Jacksonville game in the playoffs with Denver. I remember watching it. Outside of the three actual Super Bowls, Mark, that you played in and won, what is your all-time favorite as a player, playoff game that you won in your career in 30 seconds to close, outside of the Super Bowls? Oh, outside of the Super Bowls? Probably, probably I would have to say... Um, the NFC my first NFC championship was against Detroit, and we opened up the season. And we beat them like uh, I don't know, fifty-one nothing or some crap, and they came back rolling into RFK, and we beat them. We beat them forty-five to ten or something to go to a Super Bowl, and it probably in that same season was they called it the seat cushion game. We beat Atlanta twenty-four-seven in the divisional round. And they had these. They handed out these seat cushions. When we won that game, like fifty-five thousand seat cushions came flooding in like confetti into the field in this rainy, miserable day. It was awesome. Oh, that's, that, that is great. I think I think Atlanta like beat San Francisco. It was like Steve Young's first season as the starter, like prior in the wild card round prior to the game. Seat that ninety-one watch. Dude, that that '91 Washington team was, I actually think, is like one of like the five best teams ever. That doesn't get talked about. Mark, we we'd love to do this again down the road. We sincerely appreciate the time on Twitter at Mark Schlereth, NFL on Fox, etc. Thank you so much. Uh, stay well, and we hope to do this again soon. You got it. Mark Schlereth joining us here on You Better Be. That's a ten out of ten. That's really good. Yeah, uh, really. From one Super Bowl champion to another. Mark Schlereth just now, and our BetQL Network teammate, Broncos, former Broncos linebacker Brandon Marshall, coming up next to start hour number three on You Better You Bet with Nick and Ken. We'll be right back with You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network.